0: Speaking with a hand inside you, in honor of Muppets Most Wanted, what's your favorite movie to feature puppets? I'm Katie
1: Rich, and Big Bird Goes to China may not count as a feature film, but it taught me a lot about China as a child, so it did its job.
0: Hey, it's me, David the Seven. Pinocchio is still a beautifully animated film that holds up, and it has an awesome multi shot that opens it.
2: I am Matt Patches, and I'm going to go with Little Shop of Horrors, because it takes a lot of
3: artists and a lot of wire pullers to make Audrey 2 a mean green mother from outer space. I'm David Ehrlich, and I'm going to go with Being John Malkovich, because Malkovich, 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 it's the only real movie that any of us mentioned. And Patches gave it to me, so thank you. Gentlemen,
0: you can't fight in here, this is the war room! Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear
3: and plain and coming
0: through fine. I'm coming through fine too,
3: eh? Good, then, well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's, it's a podcast. podcast.
2: You don't like Little Shop of Horrors?
3: Horrors. <laughs> Horrors. What do I say? Horrors? <laughs> you, you and most of the people on this earth say horse. Whores. <laughs> little shop of horrors,
2: horse. horrors, 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 horse. horrors, horrors. No, there's an ers at the uh, end. Horrors, uh, horrors. The <laughs> little shop of horrors, Hor- Ur- horrors, horrors, horrors. I mean, horrors
3: with is with the guy who invented language, <laughs> yeah. not you. Little shop of horrors. Katie, say horrors once.
1: Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode fifteen for Tuesday, March eighteenth, two thousand and fourteen.
0: Horrors, there we go. <laughs>
3: uh, Hey, David Ehrlich. (laughs) Wow. I just got back from South by Southwest uh, down in weird old Austin, Texas, and I'm going to tell you about it. Uh, And hopefully my cohorts will ask questions because uh, we all know how these festival recaps can get. Uh, especially I'm already if only, feeling it <laughs> Especially if only one of us were there But no, uh, South By was very interesting for me this year Because I was on, I was invited to be on the jury I was on the uh, feature documentary films jury For the eight films that were in competition there And South By is an interesting festival Because, uh, in a number of regards really But uh, in part because the competition Is really not a major focus of the festival I mean it really is very helpful in marketing the festival And giving a huge boost to a certain handful of films, certainly the ones that win. Uh, but I think as patches can definitely attest – Kate, I don't know if you've been to South By. I have there's not. There's as much focus on the non-competition films as there are on the competition films. It's not like Berlin or uh, Cannes in that regard. Um, but – and there, there are you – know, the things about the competition films is they have to be world premieres. They have to be films that were not – At any previous festivals And in my experience, while South by Does have a number of great movies that pop up there For the first time, uh, a lot of the stuff uh, That I tend to get jazzed about uh, Are things that were maybe uh, At Toronto the year before that I missed Or at Berlin or at Sundance or whatever Um, But it's also the most fun film festival On the planet for my money Uh, So it's a perfectly lovely environment To catch up on that stuff, and I've never really been Especially bummed that uh, The weight and the focus has not been on you know movies nobody else has seen that doesn't really uh change my experience um but uh yeah questions Do you guys want to hear about what i saw well i want right.
2: i want to hear more about the
3: the judging experience yeah um, so you were on a jury saw. yeah i uh, uh katie i know you've been on a jury before i've at never... a very
1: small festival yeah
3: yeah it was uh, In one of
2: those festivals where all the indie movies don't matter and they should stop making them <laughs> yeah exactly
3: um <laughs> <laughs> no it was Call uh back. it was a really nice experience i mean i was explicitly invited to go down there because of uh how i lost my job at film.com i guess uh south by has a little bit of a history of reaching out to folks in in that position and uh you people know,
1: like, who have been fired by film.com uh,
3: people have been fired from their jobs i mean i was re- jay hoberman was referenced to me and i was like uh it's the only time i'm ever gonna be in the same sentence as jim hoberman but uh um no, and it was obviously – I mean, and, and they're right. I mean, I can't – I told them several times, but I'm not sure uh, effectively how much I appreciated it. It, it was such a uh, uh, a vision of hope and, and something to look forward to and uh, really nice to have something to identify with while I was there. And, of course, it's a free trip uh, and all those good things. Um, and the process of being on the jury was really interesting. I mean, there's only so much I can say without betraying sort of the respect of the whole thing. I'm not going to get into um, – You know, going down the movies as to which we liked, which we didn't, et cetera. But a few things that I can comment on is that um, you know at South by, and this is true at Berlin. uh, Well, actually, no, at Berlin they have press screenings, and the jury all who are all you know very famous people, um, not like the jury at South by. Although Oliver Platt was on, and Katie's boss uh, were on the narrative jury. Um, But uh, yeah, we see there are no press screenings, so you see the films with the. Uh, with the crowds that are seeing them, which is a really nice touch, I think, uh, and really gets a more comprehensive sense as to how the films are playing. Not that it necessarily influences um, in our opinion. I think a lot of the premieres are loaded with the filmmaker's friends and family, and of course, that's a little bit biased one way or the other. And the strength, especially in the documentary category, the urgency of a message might not necessarily be uh, on par with the quality of the filmmaking or vice versa. But uh, it is a really nice thing to be able to see those films, and since nobody knows you know, or gives a shit who I am, um, and I don't think anyone was really hip to the little jury section that was off to the side – uh, you never really felt like anybody was looking at you or trying to gauge a reaction. It was a very comfortable way to do it. Uh, but it was really interesting. Can you, can
2: you talk a little bit about the documentaries that you got to see? If there's like a big, well, I don't I, know. Is there is there a tendency in 2014 the kind of documentaries <laughs> you see <laughs> and why what is the, the great theme? invisible from the eight this, this films film that
3: we saw? Uh, well, I'm curious. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how comfortable I feel about talking about any of the movies that we didn't award prizes to because uh, you know our feelings about them are sort of on record. Um, what about the one you did? Right. I mean, I'm happy to talk about those movies. We actually – well, I'll talk a little bit more about it. I thought it was really interesting that even though I was very friendly with my two other jurors who are uh, – one was Amy Nicholson who was my editor over at Box Office Magazine. I'm going to talk about the movies in a second. But I think the jury <laughs> stuff is really interesting. Um, I was certainly interested in it before I went down there. Um, and the other is Dave Carger who works at Fandango. Um, and we – there was sort of this unspoken rule, even in the amount of time we spent t- together. We never spoke about our feelings about the movies until deliberation started uh, on Tuesday morning, which I, was interesting. And it was just sort of agreed uh, not to do it. And deliberations were uh, very pleasant. I think the three uh, earnestly-minded people. Um, anyway. The movie that won, and I was very, very proud to give our grand jury prize to this film, is called The Great Invisible. It's by Margaret Brown, who is a pretty accomplished filmmaker. Her last movie, or maybe not her last, but certainly her most well-known, uh, is probably The Order of Myths. And then she made that uh, film about Townsend's aunt. Um, and she – this film uh, is about the explosion of the uh, BP Deep Horizon – I think it was called Deep Horizon – rig um, – in 2010, and sort of its lingering effects on uh, both the people who were involved in the accident, the people involved in the oil industry, and most crucially, the people who have to live with the consequences on a day-to-day basis because their lives were so affected, and mainly impoverished people, or you know, whose situation uh, was was certainly not improved by this by any stretch of the imagination, who live in the Bayou area. Uh, and there's a really wonderful sampling of of who these people are, and we get to know a few excellent characters that she's found who uh, she has. I, she has a way with them they reveal you know they they are so candid and uh, revealing in the film but I mean I think what and it's sort of what I spoke to when I was giving out the award because he had a little opportunity to give a little little speech was uh just about how I think uh, this movie is really about the myopia that, uh, pervades, that sort of transcends good and evil and industry and, and the people involved in it and really defines this sort of human experience all together. I mean I think you see it with what's happening with overpopulation, this global crisis and everything where everyone uh, is, so, is so focused on sort of what's right in front of their nose that they – are aware of the damage that it could be doing to themselves in the future and their community and the future generations. But, uh, when the demands of the present moment are so dire and so urgent, it's almost impossible to reconcile the two. Like, how are we going to prepare for, uh, the future generations? How am I going to prepare for my children? Uh, what am I going to do? That's going to, it's ha- you know, it's like buying insurance, but for life on a daily basis. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a really powerful movie about sort of our own powerlessness in that regard, and I think it's probably going to be shortlisted for an Oscar. I thought it was genuinely brilliant, and uh, I think any uh, – well, I don't know. I won't say more than that, but I think it's a really, really great <laughs> movie, and it's uh, – um, I would encourage everyone to keep their eye on it. And there's a film uh, called Print the Legend, which is uh, about – it's a really interesting documentary about 3D printing. And it's got sort of a social cool. network vibe going on, but it's about these. It, it starts as being about these two upstart companies who are making 3D printers, and like one are sort of these more corporate guys, and the other are sort of these uh, you know young upstarty types. And then eventually, there's this anarchist who's thrown into the mix, who's trying to make. Uh, he's putting files that show people how to 3D print bullets and guns, rather, um, and he makes his own 3D printed pistol. And he's very much the Justin Timberlake, Sean Parker element of it. But what's really interesting about it is how uh, they all are very upfront about wanting to tell these stories and wanting to play these roles. I want to be the Steve Jobs and I want to be uh, you know something a little bit more independent. I care about this information being public versus I care about this information being proprietary and how the circumstances – like they are – they don't have – as much control as they think they do in determining the shape of their own narrative, and they end up sort of all telling each other's story rather than um, you know sort of determining how they're, what their character's going to be and how it 's going to evolve and it 's a really fascinating documentary in that regard and the other film we gave a prize to was a documentary called Vessel, which is about this amazing Dutch woman whose name escaped me right now. I think her last name is Gompertz, uh, Gompertz. but she uh, has a boat. With, with some other women and they go to countries where abortion is illegal or uh so strictly uh, you know over over what's the word I'm looking for I'm very tired over litigated or whatever that it, it may as well be illegal and she docks in these countries and she gets women who would, would like abortions to come on the boat and they sail out to international waters and she gives them the pills that can induce um, a miscarriage and Uh, it's a really interesting, I mean, it's a really interesting portrait of this woman who, uh, I think especially what was happening while we were in Texas, where there was a recent referendum that was further restricting reproductive rights in Texas. Uh, I think we were really eager to, uh, you know, we gave it an award of political courage, I think was it. we we were going to call it the David early humanitarian award to honor my long legacy (laughs) of of humanitarian humanitarian works. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, but at the last second we, uh, changed the wording. But uh, there was a lot of really good stuff at South by this year. There was, um, you know, I think uh, some of them, you, the. I, I don't want to go and slag against the movies I didn't like, especially in my role as a juror. It feels wrong for any of it, but I can. Uh, <laughs> Although the burning desire is there, of course, the I am <laughs> who I am. But uh, I. I definitely uh, – there are a few films that I definitely like to call out that were not in the competition, or even some that were, like Wild Canaries, which is in the competition I really love. The Heart Machine was really interesting, um, and I heard this movie 10,000 Kilometers, which I didn't see. is just the greatest. I don't know. Uh, but I, there was one – I don't think I only have time. But I'll give one shout-out to one movie uh, that premiered there called The Infinite Man, uh, which is – Like I think all three of you will uh, really adore this film if you get the opportunity to see it. I would hope it gets distribution of some kind. It would really be strange to me if it did not. Um, But it's about it's like this. It's a the way I set it up is like if Edgar Wright remade Time Crimes as a really sweet Australian romantic comedy. (laughs) um, It's it's essentially about a guy. I can't even go into what it's about. It becomes this like. It's I a, think that's enough of yeah, a sell. It's, it's yeah, that's a pretty good it sell. It, it, it's it's sort of like – it's very primary in how it makes your head twist and spin. But it's very at its core um, about sort of how you get in your own way and your you're own worst enemy in a relationship sometimes. Uh, and I found it very – I would heard not so good things about it, and um, I don't know why because I thought it was one of those. It was the last thing I saw at the festival, and uh, it was one of those movies that you see with nothing uh, – Nothing there and really rewards your taking a chance.
0: I think what we've learned is you need to start some sort of underground railroad for women to get abortions out of Texas, David.
3: Uh, yeah, let's do it.
1: To earn his humanitarian
3: prize next year.
2: <laughs> right. Wait, the big lingering question, and this is a one-sentence answer, David. Yeah. How were the milkshakes at the Alamo Draft House this year?
3: They're fine. I've discovered the best one currently on the menu, and I did try them all. is uh, And I discovered it while watching The Infinite Man So it was a nice uh, bit of harmony there uh, Is the Guinness Vanilla Milkshake Which the texture, the consistency And the flavors is just moi.
0: Someone should leave us that exact (laughs) iTunes review Right now (laughs) 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 Announcement for two of Green Gale's finest Payday
3: is postponed until next week So this
2: Is my freestyle rap Apology
3: well, I'm a peanut bar and I'm here to say, your checks will arrive on another day, another day, another dime, another rhyme, another dollar, another stuffed shirt with another white collar, criminals, Wall Street, taking the pie, and all the black man gets is a plate of white line. prisons recruiting them, police be shooting them, rats artists looting them, labels all deluding them, Barack up you're scared of me, cause I don't follow knowledge.
2: I don't know what that was. I don't. I don't know
1: what that was. Given that we are in a season of Star Wars casting rumors and that Patches has apparently given up on his personal embargo not to hear any of them. No, no,
2: I haven't given up. Oh, I'm but just you failing just, because it's impossible. It I is mean, kind I of impossible. Im- I know it's impossible to avoid Star Wars spoilers, but I'm trying. It's just...
1: So inspired by the fact that Lupita Nyong'o is now had rumored to have had a meeting or something along those oh. lines, I want to ask everybody one by one, who could they cast in this who would matter to you and actually make you interested in, in a new way, given that Star Wars is a movie that's about a lot of things that have nothing to do with the cast and famously the people in the first one were really not very famous or no one knew much about them before they were cast. It's not true. Wait, I mean it's not like you don't Alec say Alec Guinness
2: was a pretty known Okay, fine. Actor. But no
1: one went to go see Star Wars because Alec Guinness was in it.
0: Yeah, they went
2: well, for Peter Fonda, who was well known. <laughs> Harrison Ford was gaining fame. At anyway,
1: that point. the cast is not the most important thing about Star Wars. Can we agree on that? Like that's not what's going to make or break it. Agreed. But it,
2: that's that's exactly what's going to make well, it. Well, anyway. you
1: feel free to make that argument. I want to because <laughs> I start and because I got to start this segment. I'm saying Lupita Nyong'o, not because I think that what she will do will be that interesting. I mean, it might be very interesting. She might be great in it, but I think her post-Oscar win career is going to be fascinating and for her to take a role in Star Wars could be doubly fascinating and I'm really curious to I actually hope
2: she plays a Jabba slave.
1: That would be terrible. No,
2: she's not. I'm, that would not happen. You. Then she could just do the same, the Patsy shtick again. I am <laughs> interested to
1: see J.J. J. Abrams actually put as many where his mouth is and actually make it a diverse cast, which doesn't seem to be happening so far. So, Limpita Nyong'o, if you get cast, I will be interested in Star Wars in a way I definitely am not right now.
0: Dave? Well, I'm also interested because it seems like we're moving in a direction where there's going to be both a black male protagonist and a black female villain in this new Star Wars movie. So that seems like an interesting thing, but no one's going to like my answer because my answer is essentially just an, like amassing more fandom to your centralized fandom and that's to put Matt Smith in a stupid role in, in Star Wars. <laughs> just He doesn't have to be key, or he doesn't have to be important, but give him one of those little things that if you give it to the right character actor, like occasionally happens in the Star Wars universe, they'll become a toy that like five, six-year-olds love, and just let it be, and the Doctor Who fans will love it.
2: Maybe C-3PO has a son in this one. Yes. And that's Matt Smith. That ages in reverse like of... Mork and Mindy. Yeah, he's kind of Anthony Daniels-like.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Pages.
2: Oh, okay. I was hoping David would go. Anyway, well, first off, Dave, I don't know where you hear about this, like, black male hero and black female villain thing. I don't know who you're referring to with black male hero, but please do not tell me. <laughs> um, coincidentally, I am picking up black male because I'm with you, Katie. Let's, like, spice—I mean, Ahmed Best was not enough to diversify— the Star Wars prequels, I'm sorry. We're still so mad I'm,
1: about Jar Jar Binks. There's still a lot of ground to
2: cover. I was watching um, About Last Night, the remake, the, a few weeks ago, and this guy, Michael Ealy, who is currently in the TV show Almost Human, and he was on The Good Wife, and he was in movies like Shop. Is he in Think and- Like a Man? Yes, he's in Think Like a Man as well. Um, He is just a charming fellow who's so laid back even when he's intense, just like this absolute calmness that I think is very Jedi-like. And he has these piercing eyes. He's he's just – he's like from another planet uh, in his otherworldly nature, and I think he would be a perfect fit for Star Wars. So
3: Michael Ealy. Uh, And my pick is, is Matt Patches. I I think that Ooh, I, I would I be give a good fit so about this that. Only – really, I was thinking about this. I was like there's no actor from like international cinema who like I would make me care because I would Dennis be – Dennis Laurent? I would just be upset that he's spending eight months however long of his life in this fucking Star Wars movie. But if one of you guys were in it, bon. that would be interesting. <laughs> I would uh, – <laughs> it would certainly be entertaining while I was watching it. I'd be like, where's Matt going to be? Oh, my god. What is he doing there? <laughs> it's strange. Uh, so that would be interesting. But otherwise <sighs> – <laughs> wow, okay. I was expecting you
1: to say nobody david and that 's okay the answer you can answer nobody
3: no i'm i genuinely like <laughs> nobody is not a real answer, but if Matt Patches were in this movie. He, I would ha- I- he would go. N- I would have to say, in some with be some sincerity, sp- that I would have to see this, and like it would know. be
2: very complex because I would be in the movie, but I'm trying to avoid Star Wars spoilers, so I would not be able to acknowledge you're just, my you're own just, casting. Yeah, in the
0: film. you're 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 just avoiding violating your NDA. Is all you're doing?
3: I know that would be cool. So tough. you two, um, mm. dig up dig up dinosaur ha <laughs> Oh,
2: ha oh. <laughs> ha <laughs>
1: Yo Veronica Mars that is in theaters, it's on iTunes, it's on... on Flickster, which everyone's mad about. I don't really get why. It's everywhere. The Veronica Mars movie is real, which kind of still blows my mind. I can't believe we live in a world in which that exists. David and Patches have seen it. Dave, you have not, right? No, Dave has. Oh, Dave has. Okay, then I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. Wait, wait. Am I the only one that
0: donated to it? probably that uh, you, you are
2: definitely the only one yeah
0: suck it. on it you three my investment had a great weekend comparatively what did you get uh-huh. what
2: what level were you at if you don't mind me asking um
0: i got a script with my name on it i got stickers talking about how i saved veronica mars <laughs> slash attended <laughs> neptune high i got a t-shirt of veronica wow. taking photos through some slats in a i don't know window I inst- And oh, so I, got down- I got the download. You
3: donated money.
1: Yeah, there's for- no investment here. You get no return on your investment. I'm making you, you
0: guys make my argument. Mars on it. <laughs> Shh, don't let Pat listen to Patches. Go listen to our old episode about Kickstarter and learn how I got ripped <laughs> off.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we've talked about Kickstarter a lot. We've talked about this era of crowdfunding. But now that Veronica Mars is out here and, like, proof that it's working, like, this movie – was partially funded by Kickstarter. It went to South by Southwest. It works. People seem pretty happy with it. Fans seem to like what they got out of it. So is this a good thing? Are we happy that it is succeeding?
0: Well, I mean, to also go beyond that, just in terms of it's out there and it succeeded in the fact that it got to theaters, it managed to find a way to release itself uh, that didn't make its Kickstarter backers double pay, which, is something I didn't think that they were gonna actually do. So in that they
1: had a code to get it from iTunes or wherever? Well there's a
0: code where you could get it, uh your ultraviolet copy which you could stream through Flickster, which caused so much problems that now the WB is refunding your Amazon or iTunes downloads if you have a backer ID and then you send them your receipt. So Warner Brothers already caved that they shouldn't have gone with their own proprietary ultraviolet. Flickster is the worst. Yes, but they still, you know, uh, agreed to the spirit of the thing, and they're getting it out there to fans as quick as possible, and they don't have to go see it in the theaters. But they've also said that there is uh, sort of Rob Thomas has hinted that there is a number in Warner Brothers' minds of box office that would immediately kickstart a sequel. Kickstarter. And and by
1: Kickstarter, you mean they
0: would actually pay for it. Yeah, that was a bad choice of words. There's
2: absolutely no way they could do a second Veronica Mars Kickstarter.
0: I mean, uh, there's probably, I mean, I don't think the business would make sense. I'm sure they could because they just proved that they, you know, 2 million, they did 2 million, I think, in like a couple hundred theaters this weekend. Something, yeah, something. I mean, I, I think that's
3: an interesting conversation because I wonder. I mean, I don't. I think you have to be a crazy person to give these people money in the first place, Dave. But I think <laughs> that if you uh, were crazy enough to do it once, now that you've seen that, it's like one of the first Kickstarter films on, on this scale. If you know, not the first that. Uh, well i don 't know about that because there are so many festival films that use all sorts of various finishing funds and whatnot, but uh, you know people gave money money this idea and it became what is now a very real movie-ish thing. Uh, and it's definitely a movie ish thing and definitely a movie it is a movie. definitely a movie it is it is maybe a movie but the, and it's but it 's real whatever it is you can watch it it has a beginning, a middle, and an end it is what it is so uh, uh I think that you know now that people have seen what their money leads up to if they could be promised that there would not be a screening snafu this time around if maybe they just dump whatever the fuck what's that service that they use that's so awful uh, Ultra no uh, ultraviolet yes if they Well, could. that's it's through flickster right okay it's a but, combination um,
1: of the same terrible thing yeah
3: but i think those same people if they're like okay like i'll i'll get more money and like if you make the perks you know most people would probably just want to pay for their ticket you know ten dollars or whatever but um i think that if you could make the twenty or twenty-five dollar level really appealing, maybe you got a lot of people doing that. But I don't know if it's worth their while because the uh, at a certain point, you know, paying your Kickstarter rewards uh, is so expensive that it may not even be worth it.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, the WB is the one who actually picked up. So I think the final numbers came out to you. six million was the budget for the film. And Warner Brothers picked up the difference between that and the $5 whatever that Kickstarter had, and Warner Brothers took on uh, all the backer fulfillments. So Mm -hmm. they're the ones that shipped me my T-shirt and printed my T-shirt, supposedly.
3: But, you know, it's still – Warner Brothers would still – would probably be in a similar deal. So whoever is responsible for that money – uh, is still going to be exerting their influence over the decision as to whether or not to Kickstarter another one of these things.
0: Totally, and I don't think they will Kickstarter it. But it's it's this weird catch twenty two for Warner Brothers where there's no way that they're going to invest any more or less than they already have. Like I'm surprised that they're doing this refund thing for downloads because. The You could probably recoup your budget for this film if you put it in more theaters and did a little bit more advertising, but then that's adding on, because it's such a low-budget film, a significant percentage of the overall film's budget to try to reach for this sequel ground that may or may not exist. It's just like, it, it, I think... I, When this originally happened and we originally talked about it, I donated as a way to then also talk about how I thought it was a horrible idea to get the studios involved in the idea of crowdfunding because it's so weird. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to get back when I'm holding a corporation responsible for my products rather than a person, which is what I think crowdfunding is supposed to be. But what I was really happy about is that I actually got what felt like a long, well-done episode of the show. And it was just sent to me one day when I paid twenty five dollars like a year ago, and I yeah, can't. It's like uh, a present. On I the can't argue side with of that. things.
3: Before we get into discussing the merits of the movie, uh, I think the more interesting thing for me, or I think it has a wider application, is uh, is what the VOD numbers are going to be in this thing because you know historically companies, to the detriment of pretty much everyone, uh, just because they uh, have shame, are so tight-lipped about what the vod business is, and you have somebody like john sloss over at synetic who is very adamant about people being transparent with their vod numbers because it's only going to help people better understand the business and i could not be more uh, in agreement with him but um you know you're at two million for the weekend in veronica mars that's purely theatrical and from 291 theaters and now you have uh you know most of the people that saw it in their own homes are probably not like me. I paid money to rent it on iTunes because I'm never going to kickstart this thing. But I bet a lot of the VOD money that could have been there otherwise was already factored in. It was already paid for. It does not contribute to the gross because it was part of people's donations. So I wonder how much money this thing is really making.
0: Yeah, I mean it's going to be hard to tell. And I guess what's weird to me and what makes Veronica Mars different is it's like everybody bought into this idea of a movie. And I think the fans – Bought into it because of what a movie would represent in you know the world of to quote community six seasons in a movie where it's like this huge thing that not only says you know like you were wrong studio for you know canceling it in the first place but also provides the creators with an opportunity to end or continue their characters or leave them in a way that you know the television landscape doesn't always give them the possibility to so it's different from other things that have been resurrected by the fans be it like family guy or whatnot that you know gets called back by a corporation that's just gobsmacked that they accidentally canceled something popular this feels like a weird way of Continuing content, like if you were to say, I'll give you another season of Mad Men, but I'm only going to VOD it, I'm not sure it would have the oomph of telling a fandom that they get vindicated with a theatrically released movie.
2: And and it seems to be successful in terms of critical reactions, in terms of the meager box office still satisfying uh, what wb needs or what rob thomas and kristen bell tell their fans the amount of money they needed as opposed to the gigantic bomb of uh serenity yeah mm-hmm. and doing this on on a really large scale like and a, doing it as like a movie movie
3: how how long can you uh like how how far can you go if you're purely relying on your diehard fans uh because you know Vrakamar's it dipped fifty fifty 50 percent of its Theatrical receipts this weekend came on Friday, which is typically disastrous. It means that everyone who wanted to see the movie needed to see it immediately, and then nobody else really gave a shit, and also word of mouth probably wasn't so great. Uh, So I think that – well, part of what makes me really curious about this is – how far can your fandom take you? And what really, at the end of the day, is the application to other Kickstarters? Because, uh, you know, otherwise you just have a cottage industry of dead shows or whatever it is um, that have this sort of pre-existing fandom. But it's not really applicable to, uh, you know, other people that may, may not have that, that, you know, ride waiting for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's also, I think, very telling that they simultaneously have sold Veronica Mars into Amazon Worlds. So now you could. Can- license your own fan fiction in this world where I think like what we've seen in this movie, whether or not it gets a sequel is Rob Thomas has uh, capitulated and given the character to the fans because the fans stood up and said that they wanted her back and he they wanted her to be hers. I'm not sure if we'll see this replicated in movie form much anymore because I don't think it makes for like a solid, capper to a narrative or something it's more like a badge for caring about three seasons of television you
1: don't think you know, we're gonna get the community movie Oh, so i think we will though? but it'll
0: be the exact same thing it'll be so with we, there were six seasons in a movie not because there's a community story that needs to be told on the big screen yeah
1: it doesn't seem to me that with the veronica mars movie like even from the fans there's a sense of being like oh thank god that we can finally know how this ended
2: but yeah. that's the thing. With, that's the interesting thing about the movie. The movie's not trying to tie up loose ends. In fact, it glosses over a majority of anything that could be si- considered a loose uh, end at it's... the end of the series, except for a love triangle aspect. It's pretty fresh. And as someone who gave up after season one, um, I, I enjoyed it, as anyone who listened to our review episode last week, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, just as kind of a standalone entity, and also as something that perhaps has drawn me back into Veronica Mars and if they continued if they did another movie i 'd see it if they did a, another series which seems actually more reasonable and possible i 'd be into it i 'd tag along yeah that 's what they 're really the nail doing on the head.
3: Here. i mean i don 't want to go too deep into the uh, since we already have a review of discussing the quality of it but it 's a movie is a very strange fit for this show um, there are some shows where and you see this again in uh, in Japanese anime all the time when they finish a series and they have a sort of a, a movie tacked on. Some of, some of the time it goes theatrically and some of the times it doesn't. Uh, and yeah, Cowboy Bebop the movie is cow- better than Cowboy Veronica Bebop Mars the movie. the movie. This is true. <laughs> um, and But yeah, I mean look, Veronica Mars has always ex- excelled in long-form mysteries rather than short-form ones. I mean there's a reason that the third season is generally disregarded as uh, a misfire. Especially compared to the first two seasons, which have these mysteries that play over the course of an entire uh, 20-some-odd episode arc. And, um, you know, I think that uh, fitting all of this into an 88- or 104-minute or however long the movie is film, it it just – it doesn't – it's like something feels off. It feels like these things that you know and remember but just all wearing clothes that don't quite fit. And it's – you know, the fans are just happy to spend another hour and a half with these characters, but – I find it
2: interesting that they're about to launch a series of Veronica Mars books that kind of continue on. Maybe they continue on the movie, or they're they're definitely continued mysteries with Veronica Mars. Well, yeah, and they're doing web web shorts or something,
0: too, right? The what? Aren't they doing web shorts or something, too?
2: Yeah, they're going to do a web series with um, Ryan What's-His-Name's character, and um, it just seems like – it needed a movie to kind of boost the brand out of this cult favorite CW show that no one watched and suddenly you know there's a reason for CNN to, and the BBC to talk about Veronica Mars because it's 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 become a movie it's prevailed on social media and now people who have never who never watched the show know what Veronica Mars is and might be interested enough to either see the movie get dragged along to it and suffer through it or invest in whatever future incarnations it has. It seems to be successful of keeping a worthwhile character around, a character that never got a great chance uh, when it was on television. So what you're
1: saying is that the box office receipts or even the VOD receipts don't matter nearly as much as the buzz that was already there.
2: Correct, exactly. So yeah, it can be a complete failure, but the character will live on, and I think it's gained value in that respect. We know more people know what Veronica Mars is, and that gives it... Uh, a fighting chance in terms of future incarnations or whatever it will live on past this movie i mean almost a promise
0: the thing that makes this feel or the hypothesis that you're saying feel more genuine is because the fans did it but every time actual business decides to revamp its brand seven years after it's ended we look at it as like a cold money cash grab is the difference because the ask if the fans wanted it and the fans said yes instead of just serving us up annoyed movie which i'm waiting for you're waiting for annoyed movie (laughs) doesn't seem like that should happen (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think the Noid video game could be a movie. If there's going to be a Space Jam too, which me is if a I rumor, think there's going to
2: be a Noid video game. <laughs> That's no, really what we've been building. Or a Noid movie. I'm, I'm saying, no, what's the
0: difference between when you're reviving a property? Like, granted, we don't know until we see the final box office if this introduced Veronica Mars to anybody, or if this was a good vehicle for it. But like, let's say you want to revive a property so that it doesn't languish. Like, are you afraid of the dark and never get you know looked at again? is this the best way to do it? Because usually when a company says, now is time for more Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I want them to go fuck themselves.
2: Well, it's not just about reviving a a fan favorite character, I don't think. I think Veronica Mars is going to, or is successful because it's it's a movie now and will continue to be successful in some iteration because it's filling a void in culture that we don't have. You know, older people watch procedurals and... Younger people never really had that. The millennials don't have their Miss Marple. You don't think um, it's Sherlock? I don't really. I I think Sherlock is kind of something different. Not it's not an American character. It's not. A, I, I don't know. Well, I guess Miss Marple's not either. But <laughs> Miss Marple's detective stories have a more casual nature to them. Sure, I don't, I, there's a definite difference between. Sherlock, maybe because of how famous the Sherlock Holmes character is. Because uh, he's not an missing. original,
1: like as opposed to Veronica Mars, who is new?
2: Yeah. I, it's, it's a hard line for me to really draw. You might be right. Maybe Sherlock is filling that void. I just feel like there's I'm, – I'm surprised that we don't get movies – we don't get procedural movies or, or mystery movies all that often um you know the last miss marple movie and the last movie of its kind that i can really think of is the mirror cracked from the 80s
0: well i mean Um, but you're talking about like serialized detective stories but like a simpler kind
2: of a simpler kind of detective
0: you and i had it out over prisoners nay less than a year ago right right and and prisoners is bloated it's it's Contrived. It's
2: trying to well, be just because you don't like it doesn't mean not, that as it's not a Miss Mars, Which is just about
3: solving a mystery. wild canaries. That's South by Southwest. Is uh, exactly harkens back to the screwball comedies of yesteryear. It's exactly the kind of thing you are looking for. What I guess uh, I right, mean, I mean, super- and, and,
2: but and, and it thrives probably because it's on a smaller scale and it has to do something in a simpler way. And Veronica Mars succeeds on that level.
0: Well, why does Veronica Mars get a pass when if somebody were to even if they were to say we're going to relaunch Miss Marple with Helen? And mirren i would be like that's kind of a cash grab
2: well they actually they've been trying to well this was a few years ago that they announced that they were going to relaunch miss marple with jennifer garner really um, a movie series that yeah a young miss marple which makes absolutely no well, sense. well that
0: the black murder she wrote also went by the wayside i'm, I'm i can't not...
2: believe black murder she wrote didn't happen that would have <laughs> been i'm i think that would have been pretty
3: murder good. she wrote black it's like <laughs> she wrote back But black. Ah! Wow. um, So
0: your response to murder is black?
3: Excuse me. (laughs) You made this racist. I didn't. (laughs)
0: Show. I just think it's Dave. And the answer to
1: your question is that it, it's the crowdfunding. I mean, that's exactly what you were suggesting was the idea, and it's the idea that the fans made it happen—that they mailed their marshmallows to the Warner to Warner Brothers in this metaphorical way, and then it, I mean, the, there was fan demand for it before they even decided to make it, and then they made it, and it worked. And I mean, Anchorman Two was received the same way. I don't think maybe quite as embraced as. I don't know if this is embracing this Veronica Mars movie. It was fine. But, you know, people didn't see that as a cash grab because the people who made it had to work so long to get it to exist.
0: Thank you for allowing me to build off that. So now the question is, is do we have to be reviving franchises with these things? If I like Rob Thomas and I like Kristen Bell, shouldn't I just be able to get a movie with them doing what they want to do?
1: That's how the Zach Braffs. That's how the Zach Braff Kickstarter worked. It's not yeah, his first sequel. It's his whatever he wants to do next.
0: Yeah, but I hate him for that. And I like well, the Veronica Mars the, the, thing. And I'm trying to figure out what the difference. You find the artist you
1: do want to support. Lots of people don't hate him for it. That's how he made all that money.
0: And then he sold it, and no one gets it. Oh, I'm so pissed at Zach Braff.
1: <laughs> there will be someone else who will kickstart something that you will actually feel good about backing.
0: Hmm
2: me maybe <laughs> actually I just started my noid kickstarter
0: yes movie noid movie if let's you want do to it fun that. let's do the noid movie
1: kickstart the patches murder Shibo se- sequel starring him it'll be it'll be part of the star wars universe it'll all, oh
2: my god it'll it'll all st- I'm just I'm I'm losing my load right now mmm mmm
1: That does it for today's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back on Friday reviewing Nymphomaniac, the whole bloody affair, which I hope is what you're all calling it in your hearts. Uh, in the meantime. Is it because
0: someone has a period? <laughs> I,
1: I, don't, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. And I, really I don't know,
0: think any. I'm afraid to, any, to know. No, no, I'm I'm to, I don't want to spoil to
3: anything, but I don't think there's any period blood in the whole thing. Well, uh, I'll just
0: watch the dreamers again.
1: In the meantime, tell the people who you are.
0: I
2: am Matt Patches, uh, writer on the internet. I am on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And all the things that I write, I try and put on mattpatches.com. And did you know that Fighting in the War Room also has a website where lots of cool content
3: will be going online? It's fightinginthewarroom.com. I'm David Rolick. You can find me on Twitter at David Rolick and at Criterion Corner. Uh, and at various websites. Uh, we'll see which ones as time goes on. Uh, I am currently, if you're interested in Infomaniac, writing a very, very long unifying theory of the films of Lars von Trier for The Dissolve. Uh, I, that sounds I
1: exhausting. As,
3: I don't know how it's going to turn out yet, so <laughs> stay tuned. Um, I'm trying to whip it into shape, and I have a few hours and a can of Red Bull, so we'll see. Uh, you can find all of us, though, talking about Lars von Trier and other things on Facebook at Fighting in the War Room.
0: I'm Dave Gonzalez, spell that first part, da A Seventeen. It's also my Twitter handle, I write about superhero movie news at otino-review.com Also this week and Friday, I'm going to unleash a long-form piece that me and all my co-hosts have taken part in uh, Rewatching Lost in honor of its 10th anniversary and doing lots of horrible things to it to talk about storytelling uh, That'll be at fightinginthewarroom.com and That's probably all I'm going to talk about it for right now but if you want to talk back at us, you should give us a call at 914 410 6450. That's our voicemail. Leave us a message. If we like what you say or how you yell at us, we will play it on the air and respond.
1: And I am Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fairs Hollywood or on Twitter at Katie Rich, K A T E Y R I C H. On Twitter, you can also find the entire show at F I T W R. You all know how to find us there. You all know that that is where you could answer Questions from all of us, including this week's lightning round question, which was
0: In honor of Muppets Most Wanted, what's your favorite movie to feature puppets?
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you on Friday.
0: And if he stays, I'll wait for him in the morning. I'm a thousand pieces of glass. If he stays, and i I'm a thousand pieces of light. If he stays, I'll wait for him in the morning. I'm a thousand pieces of light. If he stays, then I'll wait for him in the morning. I'm a thousand pieces of light.